Hot off the heels of the most controversial coming out party in all of mainstream comics, the Rawhide Kid settles up for one more ride to save Wyatt and Morgan Earp from the dastardly clutches of Cristo Pike. And this time, he's bringing friends. Kid Colt, Doc Holliday, Annie Oakley, Billy the Kid, Red Wolf, and the Two-Gun Kid assemble on what reads like the most tedious side quests in Red Dead Redemption, only to hastily wrap everything up in just a few pages. You know, like cowboys do. So fill your hand, you son of a bitch, cause we're riding out with Ron Zimmerman and Howard Chaykin's Rawhide Kid Sensational 7. And based on your tolerance for tired jokes, this may well be a suicide mission on this week's Oh, God, it burns. Welcome back, you outlaws. My name is Crisco Nick. My name is Doc Bruno. And uh, you've been welcome back to Oh, God, God it, it burns. burns. And not just syphilis. In this here saloon you walked into. <laughs> Holy shit. Now, last episode, we talked about how much we kind of liked the first Rawhide Kid. It had a pretty good mix of, uh, like... Blazing Saddles humor. Yeah. And actually, with John Severin's art, it wasn't really that bad. No. The jokes actually, like, landed somewhat, and there was an emotional through line. But yeah. just about everything that I mentioned, throw away. Because this one flips it all on its head, except for the art. I really like the Howard Chaykin art. But everything in this one is just, like, a complete, like, 180 departure from the previous one. If the first movie was Blazing Saddles, this is like, we need to make a sequel quick. Let's get the guys that made Scary Movie. Yeah. And that's what you're getting. Oh, no, not another Western movie. That, that's, that's the <laughs> level of comedy that you get on this. This is not another Western movie. Like, oh, dear God. You got all your favorites. Like, STD jokes. <laughs> You've got people peeing their pants. You got people vomiting. Yeah. Or forcing someone to vomit so they can count how many fucking scorpions they ate. You got people drinking urine. Yep, drinking okay. urine. Welcome to the world of the Raw High Kid, the Sensational Seven. So... Without uh, uh, Monty coddling this one or beating around the bush too much, uh, Doc Bruno, <laughs> let's go ahead and get into it, partner. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> that was the clink of our... I don't know how that's going to pop up on the mic. It might sound like we're just punching a wall. <laughs> I don't know how glass comes up. Well, honestly, though, if it sounds like we're punching a wall, that's what we get after reading this. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Was I just recording me banging my fucking head against the All right, there's the Scorpion. <laughs> Spoilers for the next episode. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so let's go ahead and jump into it. So this one uh, doesn't quite pick up where the last one left off. This is like, at the last one, he uh, left uh, the town. A he moved junction on. And just mosey on down the road. Because he can't stay in one place for too long, and he's just too damn fancy for that but stuff. But in this one, picks up is another tale of the Rawhide Kid and it starts off in the town of Tombstone, which, you know, name drop, something that uh, Rod Zimmerman is great at. Mm -hmm. So it's just like a lot of name drops right off the bat. One thing I want to say, like, getting off to the top, when you open up the book, this is a beautiful-looking book. If there is one person that does period piece better than anybody, it's Howard Chaykin, and I don't think they could have found a better artist to do this than Howard Chaykin, but it's just a shame that he uh, didn't get saddled with the best script. No. And it took a long time for this one to come out, too. Uh, the first one, I believe, uh, debuted in 2003. This did not get published until 2010. Yeah. And even between this one, there was like another uh, like mini-series of just Western one-shots that they released, and uh, Rawhide Kid was not one of them. And the reason being was because, at the time, 
Joe Quesada came out and basically said it. He's just like, the higher-ups won't let me publish a book with a gay character unless it has a mature reader's label on it, which caused, like, this whole shitstorm where people were just, like, going back and forth with it. So that raised, like, the the uh, the demand for another Raw High Kid series, and they went ahead and released this one after they kind of buckled to it, and they're like, you know what? Let's go ahead and do a regular label, Marvel label, no Max. We're just going to go ahead and have a Raw High Kid series. And, uh, Bruno, they get what they wished for. No. Not even worse. <laughs> That's like. No, no. They got syphilis. Yeah. <laughs> How many kinds of syphilis did they get? We'll get to that number later. <laughs> there is an answer. Count on the syphilis you gave me, partner. That would be 10. <laughs> <laughs> That's the answer. Um, no, they. Judging on the success of the first one, right from the opening, you could tell that thematically they're just not keeping up with it, which is really funny. Because the Max label was so tame compared yeah. to how bad this is. Mm-hmm. Because whereas the Max label was just, oh no, he's gay. But let's substitute gay with fancy dresser and no one's in on the joke but him. Everyone just literally is am- amazed at how great of a dresser he is. No, yep. in this one, it is hands down, anytime they're referencing fancy dresser, they may as well be like queer, fag. Yeah, that's it's exactly that what it is. bad. Like Everyone is in on the joke. And they're using it. It's like they read the last issue. They're like, he's not so sharply dressed. He's just fat. Oh, we can't say that. Back to calling him sharp dressed he is. Yep. And that's like the the big euphemism they use, which isn't too bad. And actually plays in like one of the better jokes yeah. of this whole thing. But uh, uh, starting off, like it does start off promising because like Rawhide Kid, he's all cocky. And he's the sheriff of this here town of Tombstone. And he's going into the saloon. And then everyone's fighting and beating each other up. And he says, now you stop that. Then he walks in. Then they start fighting again. Then he comes out and is like, I mean it. And it was great. It's like he even has like a little panel where he winks at the, like, kind yep. of the camera and is just like, yep. And it happens like three times and all of them, like, they just kind of put their weapons down and are like, uh, yeah, he's right. He can take all of us. Which is really cool. And then we get introduced to the plot of the story, which is the Earps. Wyatt and his brother Morgan got kidnapped by Cisco Pike, Sisto Pike, yeah. who was the brother of uh, whatever the hell his name is. Uh, it was... Christo Pike? Christo Pike. Um, yeah, the way it works out is... This is... Uh, Cisco, Cisco Pike was the first one. Christo Pike, Pike is... Or Chris, yeah, Christo Pike And, and in between, there's, another, there's a father, Crisco Pike. Yeah. So, because apparently he goes through the trouble of, like, I've been getting rid of all of these here Pike boys, mm-hmm. and this is the last one left, the orniest one, if He's you taking will. them all down, and he starts with uh, recruiting some of these people. Like, it kind of starts in media res, where it's, like, in the middle, like, the plot's already started. Yeah. But it almost doesn't feel like that, because... It's nothing but exposition and gathering people up well into the last issue. Well, the worst one. of it is, whereas in the first one, we had discussed the Me Too, like, how strong he was with, like, the characterization and having, like, characters, you know, like, writing females well. Yeah. Then we get to Annie Oakley. In this and- one, he starts off Annie Oakley's, like, hide- locked herself in the cage because the town of Tombstone has gotten so rough, she was afraid of someone coming in and taking advantage of her while she was sleeping so she locked herself in the in the cage so he busts her out and then explains that the erps have been kidnapped by uh Christo Pike and so he means to get them back but the the weirdest thing is whereas in the other issue he actually did really well with balancing out the interplay between you know um the rawhide kid and his sharp dress skills and his interplay with women, where he was a bit catty with them, 
but he was appreciative of them. Mm-hmm. He's just a downright douche to women. Yeah, he's just like, well, listen, honey, my libido doesn't swing that way, so you're just gonna have to get over it. It's like, like yeah, yeah, this. He's telling Annie Oakley how much she really needs like to change her hair and makeup and stuff like Meanwhile, that. Meanwhile, she's like, like I don't want to be raped. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, like, honey, go ahead and doll yourself up a little bit. It's like if only guys were that interested in me, and I'm like. That, that's such a bad takeaway given how well he did the first time around with the female characters and the interplay between this sharply dressed man and uh, you know his uh, the female course which was Laura Ingalls was the, the Laura Ingalls little house on yeah. the prairie uh, small house on the prairie yes right <laughs> the first one but yeah so this whole first issue is just him cleaning up Annie Oakley and then leaving out of town and then everyone's just like but Rawhide, if you leave, then who's going to be the sheriff? And he's just like, don't worry, I got it covered, sugar. That, that is and it's the, the fucking best. Western Ghost Rider. It is like, the best one. And not even just it's like... It's one panel it's of a Western even, Ghost Rider. It's, it's not even the, like the, the regular Ghost Rider. Like, I want to know what happened. Because, like, Carter Slade was the Ghost Rider, and he's just known as the Phantom Rider. He's dressed usually all in white. This dude looked like the Grim Reaper. He had a flaming skull head, mm-hmm. freaking black horse, black outfit, and he's like... I'm the sheriff here now. Actually, let me go ahead and read this because I actually really do like what he says here. Actually, I need to find it. Shit. Stall for time, Bruno. (laughs) Stall for time, Bruno. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. As I said, uh, with the whole town thing, it's just basically he's like, oh, no, he can't leave. He's like, don't worry. I got this covered. And the gross part is apparently he's got the number of the Ghost Rider like he can, t- he telegraphed him. That's how he got the Ghost Rider show up. I sent out a little telegraph, and my friend said he'd be here. And yep. sure enough, there he is. And then he comes riding in his black stallion. You damn well better run, you sorrowful, cynic sons of bitches. There's a new sheriff in Tombstone, and his name's the Ghost Rider. And that's it. That's all that's we that, get. That's it. This whole gone. series should have been this Ghost Rider. Yeah, like where the hell did he come from? Right down to like the flaming shotgun, the freaking skull chains around the horse. And he's just gone, and then they're off, and it goes with Let's Ride. So there's essentially two more issues of them assembling the crew while, yeah. while we get to find out the fate of the Ert brothers who are due to be hanged mm-hmm. by Christo Pike. Which, by the way, every single issue ends with Let's Ride, yeah. too. So there's like a little bit of symmetry, which seems really cool, but it's super damned repetitive yeah. because all they do, there's all the characterization and uh, character buildup that you got in the first series. There's none. You're literally just introduced to characters and moved on just do, as quickly. He doesn't do even do anything as far as like trick shots, punches, yeah. or anything. Like he really, it really is just collecting a bunch of people. Yeah, it's him bragging a lot. Yeah, and then at the end he does something. I guess that works, and that's it. Yeah, it wasn't even smart. Like in the, the other one, like he had that whole plan. He tells the whole town, "Yeah, y'all need to just go." He's got the little skillet on there to make mm-hmm. that thing. Like it looked like the man was a master tactician, and this one is just like, I'm here, I'll fight. It's okay. like I need to get people. Things will happen because I got people. You're gonna be introduced to more characters that don't even matter. It's like when we go back to get Craven, when we had the the gerbil, the script doctor, and uh, Scar, you know, and it, it was just like they were the biggest throwaway villains that had no impact on the story and I feel like every single villain that we run into in this is just a throwaway that has no impact even up, up until like Christo Pike yeah. like but, he almost has no impact but except even for Christo he's the Pike has, n- has no characterization yeah. in this one um like his brother in the previous series there was the running joke mm-hmm. about him not being able to draw a map there was interplay between him and his goons. The only characters that are mentioned in his entire gang, despite apparently being able to take over a fort, is Shorty, 
his little assistant in like a bowler hat. Which he hat shoots in the head. For, because because she, he's not going to be the one on the front lines getting killed by the raw high So he's kid. like, I need people to go out there and uh, stall these sensational seven. And uh, he's like, well, I'm no good at fighting, sir. So thank you for not sending me. Oh, you're no good in fighting? Nope, nope, not going to do it. All right, well, then I'm sorry to do this. And just shoots his friend, like the only guy that's been able to put up with yeah. him. Just because he wouldn't go join the front line. And that's the only characterization that he's had other than, like, I've got plans for them Erps here. And that's just the beginning. I have more plans that I'll never get into. Uh-huh. It. That is it. He's holed up in this thing where it's just like, it looks like a pretty decent for Again, beautiful. It's Howard Chaykin drawing like, this. Howard Chaykin's art is the saving grace of this entire thing. It's like, you just kind of want to see what's happening. But the dialogue just holds it back so yeah. badly. And also, I, w- I will kind of say this, uh, kind of a knock on Howard Chicken too. Sometimes when it gets to, like, Ron Zimmerman's one-liners, he does get a little too wink-wink nudgy, yeah. which John Severin did that a little bit, too, but it was uh, done a little bit differently. Every time Howard Chicken does it, it's a super close-up of the face. Yeah. Just making, like, the same face. So that's probably the only thing I'm going to say about that. Uh, other than like Chaykin does kill it in this series and if there's one saving grace of it it is Chaykin's art and uh, the the colors by Delgado Edgar Delgado but yeah then we get into the the second issue and he's only assembled one person of the Sensational Seven to go get these Earp boys and then he goes in and they have to find Doc Holliday they also find what was it Two Gun Kid, Two Gun Kid, and then they're they're kind of hanging out in a whorehouse right yeah and then there's a whole big thing about like the, the running joke that the whore is like, are you sure you're so you're sharp dressed? And he's like, I was sharp dressed as they come. Dang, what a waste of there a man. There were like three whores that came up to like, him. Like, yeah, that was just kept one after like, the other. Listen, I'm gonna go ahead and it's like, um, if my, my libido uh, makes it horrifying for you to say that to me, like I think was one of the one of the paraphrases that he kind of threw down. He's just like, listen, it's just not gonna work, honey. But then they get to uh, Two Gun Kid. He's the guy that's been wearing out all the hookers in this place. Yeah. Because he's got this endless libido. And he's kind of going after Annie Oakley pretty hard, but she's called for with Doc Holliday. And I do like Doc Holliday's introduction where he's, uh, the guy, uh, guy comes up and gets in his mm-hmm. face. And he's like, he's like, you sure you want to go down this route? I ain't scared of no Doc Holliday. He's like, your words may say you're not scared. But your bladder, and there's just a big old close-up yep. of his pee stains. Now, here's one thing, though. I know I said that there's a lot of characterization missing from this, but I do feel like Doc Holliday is done justice. He's, yeah. like, the only memorable part of this. Like, yeah. he he's the guy that, like, gets dirty almost, with everything. Honestly, this is almost a Doc Holliday series. Yeah. Like, he's almost... In the other one, it was the sheriff. The running character... And, and Oakley is pushed straight to the side, mm-hmm. just based on the fact that he's, like, ill girl, but... Doc Holliday gets a lot of screen time from like the moment he's on there he's just constantly like basically Raw High Kids number two it's like he's the only guy that does anything in this yeah. whole series he's like the he, he needs to like oh you need me to rough him up and he just like grabs him by the scruff of the collar and like drags him off and that's one of the best running jokes in the whole thing <laughs> it's like Doc Holliday just straight up putting boot up people's asses like one of the best fighters here but yeah so they meet Doc Holliday they meet Two Gun Kid who's a sex fiend Wants to shack up with Annie Oakley, so they kind of play that a little bit. And then didn't uh, Kid Colt also Actually, run into here as like a in uh, this one, an I attorney? Think, uh, I think first they met up with uh, Red Wolf. No, no, Red Wolf was in the next one. No, issue two. Issue two. Issue two. Was that at the end of it? Very right at the end. All right, he pops so up. Kid Colt actually pops in in issue two as like the attorney that's trying to talk everything down. Yeah. 
And then he's just like, listen, uh, you don't want to do that because we have laws against this stuff in here. After they've seen so many people just, like, shoot people in the street, like... <laughs> He's talk spitting law. The city boy coming and spitting law, and but he's got a secret identity. But that's really he's great. also got another thing where he's secretly time traveled to the future, hung out with the Avengers, and in classic Zimmerman style, he cannot stop talking about these goddamn Avengers. Like he so just, he's always name dropping Captain America and everyone. And it's really great because they're like, if that's just like that one time um, when he did that, he's like, great. Do you have anything else? Literally anything else to talk about? Because the other characters are like, all right. I think that was Red Wolf that was just like, shut up. Like, <laughs> it's like. Great, maybe now you'll have a second adventure. (laughs) (laughs) Just because all everything comes back to like, well, my pal, the Avenger, that Captain America there, like, he's the man of the future. (laughs) He's the sheriff of the future. He just keeps going with it. And there's a a running uh, backlog of this the Earps are in jail, and they're stuck with the orneriest, downright meanest old man who, uh, no context is given as to who this man is. He's just sitting there shirtless, and he's just being, like, raunchy he, and disgusting. He almost seems like he has a superpower, because literally everything he says... It's like omniscient. Set, like, yeah, sets off them. Like It's like, oh, because there's the running thing that... He's very manipulative. Everyone only knows about Wyatt Earp. So there's here comes Morgan Earp, the unnamed brother, like being Craig Christ... You know, oh, God. the unnamed brother of Wyatt Earp, and it's just like nobody remembers me, but I was in there. I did that, and it was like, well, that's Wyatt Earp. Of course, he's gonna get more scorpions than you. What do you mean he got more scorpions? Than you? Well, you got one. He got six. You gotta get your protein, eat your rat tails, and get your scorpions. And then, like, was it Morgan that choked Wyatt? Morgan choked out yeah. Wyatt. Too. Morgan stuck his fingers down Wyatt's mouth until he puked and started counting the scorpions. Because Wyatt was like, I got the same as you, obviously. They fed like, me the same as two, you. Two, three, four, five, six. You son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. The entire time, Morgan was like, well, that's why you're the the erp that nobody likes. Because you were literally, the, the guy could say, the old man could say anything and be like... Damn right! Why didn't that? Why didn't they give and me that? And then the parade? dumbest joke in there was just like, "Hell, even my name when it's shortened up stands for dead people—a place you put dead people because it's shortened name for is morgue." morgue. <laughs> like, shit, I really do suck. <laughs> like, that's the running joke: is that the Erps are only one good Erp is Wyatt, and Morgan was just awful. His character arc, which was lacking, like this, just There's, who were the? I, I remember Wyatt Earp being some kind of big deal. Yeah. At least, like, from I what I remember, this he's played up for, like, there's nothing. There's no characterization wider. Morgan gets more screen time. I mean, there's literally no reason why they're trying to rescue the Wyatts. The Wyatt Earp. Yeah. Because he was running Tombstone just fine when the Earps were gone. Mm-hmm. And now they have a new sheriff, which is the Ghost Rider. So why do they need the Earps? Yeah. Like, these are not that great. And let alone, why did he capture both of them when no one seems to even mention... Morgan. Morgan, or it's always about like Wyatt and his brother. Yeah. <laughs> so, what was the point of kidnapping both of them? Let alone what happens later where they recruit Morgan to the bad guy, and he does it willingly. He's just like, "Oh yeah, hell yeah, I'm in there." And they're like, "Are you double crossing me?" He's like, "No, I don't think so." And it's like, "Are you gonna swear on someone that you love that you get it?" And was like, "Well, that's probably the best line." That's pretty good. That He's was like, really well, good. You know, I deserted my family. Don't have a wife. Don't have any kids. I got no one to love. <laughs> He's like, I got nobody and no one to love me. 
It was only that was a trick question. There was only one right answer, and you done gave it. <laughs> <laughs> you are definitely a bad guy now. You are my bad guy, <laughs> and he does nothing. No, no. In fact, his name becomes Kid Bad. That's yeah, his Kid new bad. name. Morgan becomes Kid Bad, and well, when we get to issue four, we'll explain how useless he actually was. He's too useless. Like there is no one more useless in this than Kid Bad, other than the doppelganger, like anti the, 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 the antithesis the outlaws to the sensational seven who are like ca- carbon copies of the sensational seven but are fucking useless there is no characterization no, they, they there's all, no time put into building them up at all except I, for this one where the guy's like uh red wolf's got a bear i mean red wolf's got a uh, his his wolf i've got a bear there was more characterization um, on there was more characterization given on to Lobo talking like the dog being uh, which the is the being second able, time a wolf talked being able to talk to freaking Red Wolf than it was in anything else that was given including doppelgangers I actually wouldn't have minded a series of how these guys came about and who they were especially because one of them is a freaking zombie named Kid Dead just a walking what? dead zombie <laughs> like he's drawn like a zombie not even like some dude who's just got the consumption he is a zombie clearly yep and no explanation for who they are. There's a second LeSabre. Yeah, there's a second LeSabre who I'm assuming is the, the son. Because I think the first time they mention it, there is like a junior or something attached to it. But there's there's nothing that follows up. So there's a second LeSabre from the first one. So there's like, we're starting to get into some continuity weirdness. And like, really, it's just like the whole thing is just a cluster mess. Like, there's there's... There's no real following it. Uh, this is the most straightforward plot ever, yeah. where Kid uh, assembles a team to save the Earps, and then they go and save the Earps. There is literally nothing else to this story. Yeah, I mean, the thir- and there's there's not even any other beats to this story. Like, it's nothing but assembling, and then they go, and then like each person fights their outlaw counterpart for one panel. Um, I mean, the third issue was, again, nothing but filler about them recruiting. That's yep. where they meet the craziest member, Billy the Kid. Mm-hmm. Um, we get to find out that the desert is really hot. So <laughs> so uh, the costume that uh, Two-Gun Kid wears, the mask, well, he can't really not wear it anymore because he's got raccoon eyes. He's like, what? Is there something on my face? Because he takes off the mask and you just see, like, the mask imprint from, being, from walking in the desert. Yep. Um, that was the running joke, and then they introduced Billy the Kid, who is a, who's crazy, who's just crazy. Like he's like, I'm a gunfighter, woohoo! No, the, the the when they introduce him, this is actually pretty funny. Yeah, like this this part like made me chuckle. Was he's like, hey, so uh, how about you hang out with a real man? And like he just walks up to a brothel just like, to like this lady that's she's randomly like, um, there. I've got a I've got a husband. He's standing right here. I was like, oh yeah. Well, I don't really go for married women, but I go for widows. Just <laughs> <laughs> shoots the husband. Husband drops dead, and he's like, nah, how about now? And then meanwhile, Rawhide Kid and all his guys are like playing poker. They look bad. I was like, shit, he just killed that guy. Well, we need him. <laughs> <laughs> so we're not going to do like, anything right, about it. So we're not going to do anything about it now. We'll kidnap him, and then we'll send him back to jail when we're done with him. Yeah. And then, like, what you said about, like, Lobo, he was talking. Like, I've got it right here. Like, uh, when they're talking about it, he's just like, so we're just going to go in guns and blazing. We're going to kill everybody inside. Yippee, let's do it. And then uh, 
the dog barks, and there's a little asterisk that says, and it says, bet you a bone, Billy the Kid won't live to see 25. And the just, second talking dog in Ron yeah. Zimmerman series. But what's really great is that, the, unlike the other ones where it wasn't even acknowledged, Red Wolf actually goes, I know, but he's entertaining. Yep. <laughs> uh-huh. But yeah, it's just... Like, it goes nowhere. So we get to what what should have been this whole thing, issue four. Actually, issue three I do want to touch on. Yeah. There was a callback to what he did in the first one, which was the flashback. Which honestly, to me, detracted from the first flashback. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the whole thing was in the first one when he had the uh, the first series... He had the flashback with the father, and you got to see, like, how awful his father was, and he's getting beat up by these bullies, and his father's a drunk, and he's calling out to his father as he's getting beat up, and his father comes up, and you think his father's going to save him, and his father just hits him. He's like, I don't have time for no sissies in my family. Yeah, he calls him a fairy, too, in this one, which was a step further than I think he did before. But in this one, the whole um, flashback is that his father's just mean the whole time. Yeah. Regardless of whether he's drunk or not. Like, he beats his wife. He's gonna rape her because that's how she done likes it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm gonna teach you. you. You carry the name Bart, son. You need to learn how to shoot like a Bart. And he sets up this hanging row of bottles and just proceeds to blast each one <clears throat> and gives the gun to his boy. And his boy shoots and misses. And he's like, you're never going to be a Bart. You're never going to be good enough. As soon as he walks in, he shoots the rope. Yeah, as soon as he walks in, he just shoots the, the rope that's left from this dangling bottle uh, that, that's been shot. And he's like, you'll see. And that's kind of like, I guess, the beginning of it. But there's not really anything to it. It didn't add anything. It's a one-page flashback. And it, it it's so awkward the way it's introduced. It's like before it's like it was a poignant moment. And, and, the, it just, and, and it's just, just so shoehorned in. Like, yeah, he call, the other one, it called back to like where he came from. This one was just like, there was no reason for it. There was no drama, nothing. And he just suddenly recalls back one of the worst times of his dad and how he learned to shoot. But not even that. He just grabbed the gun and he shot. Like, it was just an innate skill. So, mm-hmm. realistically, there was no point to it. It's like, he's just always been that good. It's in his bloodline. He doesn't need to be better. Other than to show that his father was a right bastard. But we got that from the last one. Yeah. And there was, again, had it been tied in better, it might have added more to it, but it was so shoe, shoehorned in that it actually it felt like it detracted from the whole story of what motivated him. Because I honestly thought in the first one is his father was so out of touch, and then when he needed his father's most, his father turned on him, <laughs> and that really left him a mark of like I don't care what he says, I'm a man's man. But in this one, he was just a jerk the whole just time, a dickhead. Yeah, but yeah. Well, like... the, the way it all plays out is, and the reason that one was brought up is in issue four. We finally get all the players on the field, and apparently Christo Pike is like, I'm not leaving nothing a chance. On top of my uh, good-for-nothing cannon fodder, who we've never met, I'm going to find these outlaws that are the exact opposite of the entire team, as if he knew who Christo, uh, who um, he was going to go ahead and find. Like, even we didn't know, and he's just like, we're just going to go ahead, so I guess, and then he gives him the name of the Sensational Seven, so he kind of knew where that was going. Mm. But yeah, like, I think the only other thing that we can mention uh, before we go ahead and get into the final battle is yeah. the whole thing with the uh, the old man. And Wyatt Earp is very confused at how the old man, who's been in there forever, still has a full flask of whiskey. <laughs> and then he just that looks was- him straight in the eye and goes, well, that's because it's my piss. I feel it every single morning. There's... 
There's literally no subtlety to it. It just comes straight out. It's like, oh, I've been pissing in that forever. You seem to like it. <laughs> and it's funny because I'm trying to think, and I was like, it looked like he was still drinking it, too. Like, he drank his own piss. Like, that's how ornery he was. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then we get into the uh, the showdown, and they get matched up with their uh, outlaw counterparts. Again, it's one after the other. Like, they come up, one panel each. They start knocking them down, knocking them down, knocking them down. There's no fight. It's just all give. No, in fact... Then there's one Indiana Jones moment. Yeah, there's a callback. Like, LeSabre's there, and it's like, Doc Holliday. It's like, I heard you're really good. It's like, I can't wait to see my skills against your... My blades against your your skills. And he's like, you won't see it, son. And just straight shoots him. Yeah. Like, done. That was notable. And then it goes down. Annie Oakley kills her person. Like, blah, 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 blah. And then it gets to... uh, After, like, one panel apiece, we get to the Raw High Kid fighting off against his counterpart. I think this is time to announce our first award. Yeah? Yep, I think so. I think our golden kernel of this whole thing was... Was this showdown? Was what we call this fashion showdown. All right, and... uh, I think it'll... Here, I'll go ahead. It starts like this. You want to go ahead and uh, do this real quick? Let me go ahead and pull it up. I'm going to get to it. We're we're going to go ahead and reenact this shit. All right, and I'll let you go ahead and uh, take on the role of uh, Mr. Rawhide over there. All right, so I'll be Mr. Rawhide, and you will be... What's the We're going to figure out what his name is in a second. They don't name him until the middle of this conversation, I think. Yeah, I don't like... It is something, kid. Um, yeah, I, it is something kid. I don't remember what it was. All right, so setting the scene. Everyone that he knows and loves has just been shot dead right before him. And now they're in the middle of the the, uh, the and he, place. And, and he's just showing down classic uh, Old West style. And he just goes, well, well, well. So at last I'll meet the glorious Rawhide kid in person. I must say you're not a disappointment. And you, Kid Cabo, my, what a courageous mixer of color and style you are. The white boots are interesting. Even I wouldn't try to pull that off. You think that they're too much? Well, it is after Labor Day. You don't find your R-bands attached, shall we say, peacock-walked? Signature wear? Not everyone has a panache to make them work. Well, clearly. Your shirt is quite a buggy stopper. 18 Mumi Silk Charmoose. You know your Chinese fabric, your pants calfskin. Please, Australian split hot kangaroo belly. Impressive. I trust your bandana is Egyptian worm spun silk. 100% South Carolina pig cotton. When possible, I try to buy American. Wink. Does your gum belt, your gum belt, does the dye hold? Like a mongoose on a snake, your pistol's wallet handle? Mahogany. English tempered steel barrels, yours? Mexican mother of pearl handles a carbon barrel, core and apple at half a mile. Impressive. Does it do, how does it do when the target can shoot back? There's only one way to find out, isn't there? Goodbye, raw high kid. Draw. Blah, blah. That's it. Damn you fast. <laughs> White boots after summer? That's what killed you long before I did. Waka waka. <laughs> That's literally it. And there's a close-up of his white boots just covered in blood. It's a white boots after Labor Day joke, kids. This was the best part of the whole thing. Like, I'm so happy they slowed it down just for this because it's like nonstop, one after the other. Then all of a sudden, it slows down and all they do is talk fashion for three pages. And it is so funny just to see actual banter going on here instead of just a bunch of insults being hurled that never get resolution to it. Yeah. And then right after this, then that's when uh, Christo Pike 
pulls out Wyatt Earp and pulls out the old man. Mm. And then, what, Morgan's there who does nothing? No. Right? Well, Where's no, Morgan actually, there? no, no. Morgan was in the beginning of the issue opening up the gate as the station level seven coming in. And like a freaking Marx brother, womp, womp, the gate opens and smashes him unconscious. Oh, yeah. That's right. So I missed that Daffy Duck. Uh, yeah. He's just there like a Looney Tune just squished up against the thing um, as he's now completely joined the bad guy crowd. Um, but when he pulls up, uh, when Crystal Pike pulls up the old man... And the the remaining the good herb, um, rawhide kid is like you done gone too far, Christopher Pike. He's actually kind of stunned too. Yeah, he's like, he's like taking a back a little bit, and it's like, who's this guy? Even though I guessed it like three issues ago, yeah. I was like, this has to be his dad. What? Yeah, they wouldn't be flashing back to his dad unless that old guy in that, there that they're building up. Who's this mysterious kook that only gets one panel per issue, but always acts like an ornery bastard? Well, yeah. it turns out. Well, it's it turns bastard. out the ornery bastard that made the rawhide kid the rawhide kid. Yeah, and then after some trickery, not even on at all on the level of the first one where he has like the pan in his like this shoot, is not he even just, like shoots to like graze the like he looks like the rawhide kid shoots the the uh, the hostage which he does he he, he looks, grazes him to it the looks like he's like over. he's like you can't got nothing because I've got me some security right here I got me the hostages and he's just like what hostages and he just shoots them both and they drop <laughs> and he's like well I've done lost my leverage. <laughs> <laughs> that was his big plan. He's like, that was it. It's like I've got Christo these two Pike went down just as easily as everyone else in this thing. Yeah, there was no, no, nothing, no big thing. It's like this whole th- plan was based on holding the old man and the herb and being like, I'll use them as human shields. What shields? Ah, oh, well, they're dead now. Well, Damn. sugar shit. <laughs> so he just gets shot, and then they're like, the other, the remaining outlaws come together, and they're like, you done killed herb, and he's like, nah, I just grazed them. That, that, I had to and read that any- so many times because I was like, did did the rawhide kid kill them or but did Chris Go Pike kill them? them like, and then lose his leverage because he got. But it didn't happy. even make any sense because like he took the gun and shot them like they doubled over. Like where would you shoot somebody that makes someone double over but they're fine? Like yeah. you just shot their sides. And why would the the father who was an ornery bastard go in on it? Like I understand Pike like Erp going. Oh no! I'm dead. I think what happened was he shot them in the kidney, knowing <laughs> full well that each one of them. I could get a spare and that since Kid Colt can travel to the future <laughs> they would go up to see Reed Richards and the Avengers get themselves a kidney transplant and be right back where they always been yeah so it, it this one had the ending even the last build up to the great fight scene the best part of it was him and his um, outlaw duplicate mm-hmm. because the build up to the big bad boss man was done quickly yeah. and then there's like the whole thing he's like wow you finally found your father and he's like, uh, that was some fancy shooting for a fairy. Yeah. And he's just like, oh, now you can make peace with your father. He's like, eh, no. Like, why? You met him, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> There's no talking him out of that, trust me. <laughs> but yeah, so with that being said, like, at the at the very, very end, they ride off again, and they said, let's do this one more time. Let's ride! And then the Sensational Seven ride off, and they never are seen again in Marvel Comics. I think with the exception of, like, I think they made, like, a brief cameo in Secret Wars. Yeah. Just to get killed. <laughs> One of the Secret Wars. Which hopefully it kind of resets that. And maybe they try this whole gay character thing a little better uh, next time around. But with that said, let's go ahead and jump into our awards. We already covered our Golden Colonel, which was the fashion showdown. Right now we're going to talk about our Dishonorable Demise. Alright, I think our Dishonorable Demise goes to our uh, Billy the Kid. Uh, when he's first introduced. And he it's on the married woman. Who... Then pronounces to show her husband, 
and he kills the husband. So goodbye to that poor husband over there. Yeah, he also kills the kid death. Like, oh, that was a demise number two, uh, where his outlaw counterpart is just like, I'm here for the killing. We should Me kill too. everybody. We should kill everybody. Start that's with great. You. It's like, it just, it's like, yeah, that's great. And it's just like the other guy just stands in front of him and he's like, I think I'll start with you, and just kills kid. He kills a zombie. No explanation. The kid just he doesn't even aim for the head. No, that that dude flies in the face of all zombie logic. Dishonorable. Dishonorable. <laughs> And now for a crisis in continuity, this one uh, kind of took me aback because I almost I went back to the first series just to make sure this was the same character. Doc Holliday is in the first series as a but drunk he's old a man, drunk old man, and in this one he's a young Dayton Annie Oakley beating the hell out of everybody. They say he's a drunk. I don't see it in this one. It's like kind of mentioned as an uh, like an offshoot thing. So it's like crisis in continuity. Doc Holliday. Doesn't make any sense. No, just compared to the other one that was. It's a uh, Doc yeah. Holiday reboot, is what it is. Yeah, they rebooted him in between. Yeah, and now should have swiped left. I think for should have swiped left, you have the two gun kid constantly trying to get into Annie Oakley's pants. Yep. And one of the best zingers of this entire series mm. is uh, to convince two gun kid to go along with the adventure because he really doesn't because want to he do doesn't want to do this. And he's like, this is getting ridiculous. Like everyone who's reading this is thinking. She's like, well, if you go through with this, maybe I'll let you see my britches. And he's like, but use with Doc Holliday. No, me and him, we done took a break. He's like, and if you help us with this, I'll give you a turn. Now, you guys can't see this, but Bruno's doing the sassy finger. That's right. right. I am doing the sassy (laughs) finger. And then when he goes, and he's like, woohoo. He's like, are you serious? So she kisses him, and he goes along his business, and she like spits out. He's like, did he buy it? Doc Holliday goes, and she's like, yep, he bought it. It's like, ah. I really hope we wrap this up quick. That boy tasted like nine types of syphilis. And he's like, well, with the one I gave you, that's ten. (laughs) (laughs) Zing. (laughs) Damn it, Ron Zimmerman. I knew you were good for some. (laughs) There it goes. And with that said, that wraps up Raw High Kid Sensational 7. You got any recommendations? Oh, I've got a recommendation. I I, I was kind of upset by the fact that we did not get to see the uh, the 1980s Ghost Rider, or the 1800s Ghost Rider. So what my recommendation is going to be, Garth Ennis did a couple miniseries of the Ghost Rider uh, back around, I think, 2006 or something. And the first one he did focused on Johnny Blaze and the present, or Danny Ketch. I can't remember exactly which one, but it was fucking good. And it had Clayton Crane art. And then the second one he did, did what Garth Ennis does, and he kind of like just went back in history. Because Garth Ennis is a super history guy. And he went back to the to the 1800s Ghost Rider for a six-issue series called Ghost Rider Trail of Tears. I remember Great that. art. Uh, you know, Clayton Crane could be a little muddy at times, but I think it really fits this one. Garth Ennis is awesome at the period piece stuff. He's super researched. Like, uh, I feel like if him and Chaikin just formed, like, a long-term, like, partnership, that would be, like, a partnership made in heaven. But Ghost Rider Trail of Tears, if you want to see a Western done right, go ahead and check that one out. All right. Uh, with that, I would also put out, um, if you want to see more of Ghost Rider and, and really kind of great. And he's, Carter Slade's in there, too, as a weird centaur-like creature it would be Secret Wars Coliseum. Um, really? Yeah, where it's there, the whole premise of the Secret Wars is Doom took over um, what's left of the Marvel Universe. And for everyone's entertainment, they have this like Fast and Furious style yeah. race. And the Ghost Riders have to race the entire time. And they constantly, it's like last man standing. So they all die. And whoever wins the most races, kind of like Death Race, mm-hmm. gets their freedom. 
So you've got all the different Ghost Riders and some you've never heard of. Like, there's one that's a dinosaur in a jet plane. Carter Slade, to keep up with it, is now a part centaur with Gatlin guns on his yeah. side. And they kind of give each one of them a little bit of screen time. I mean, it's just a short miniseries, but as they try to figure out how to escape the Kilosseum, I think that was a, a pretty good one, especially because it's like this. It's all fluff. Yeah. All action doesn't really go anywhere, and it's never really referenced in the main storyline. But it's actually but it's a competently great, written. But it's a great popcorn read. It's competently written. God, I've never invested. even heard of that. You know, Secret Wars had so and many. They had, they had so many spinoffs. That but here's the book. thing, too. Secret Wars was a good event. And what I love the most about these alternate reality, like, uh, like maxi-series, like the big events, is that you get the alternate reality stuff. Like, House of M was, like quality well, across the board secret wars did what convergence tried to do mm-hmm. secret wars took the best parts of the marvel universe like the marvel zombies like what happens if ultron takes over uh, house of m was actually a, one of their storylines yep. and gave them time to be like mm-hmm. here's a little taste of like what's going on in this world right now like uh, age of apocalypse got some time on there so um secret wars basically got to t- cherry pick the best parts of the Marvel Universe and put them together. And a couple of them are like kind of oddballs, like that one. There's also one about Modok who lives in like the Assassin Kingdom where everybody's just trying to kill each other day in and he's the best killer. Then you so have like got Jason Aaron and Mike Del Mundo doing like yeah. Monster World and stuff. Yeah, so that would be it. Um, another one, if you want to see a kind of fourth wall breaking character with an ensemble crew, Deadpool Mercs for Money, yeah. where he goes ahead and collects a bunch of heroes um, after being inspired by Solo, who was also not only his first member, but one of the ones that was going ahead and imitating Deadpool and doing good for business. So Deadpool goes ahead and sets up a company with these guys, and there's a miniseries, and definitely start with the miniseries. So I think that's where the humor hit the best. And then there's an extended series that comes from that, but... Um, you get to see what characters like Madcap, um, Slapstick, characters that Stingray actually is a prominently well-written character in this. So I would um, definitely recommend that because it captures the humor of an ensemble piece, and it's a great Deadpool comic, so there's a lot of fourth wall breaking. All right, cool, cool. So we have reached about the middle point of our Ron Zimmerman uh, oeuvre. Yeah. His bibliography right now. So we've covered Get Craven, the, the unofficial start of the Me Too movement, or yep. should have been, like, crazy phenomenal, like, how bad that comic is and how, like, how influential it should have been. Like, can't even say it. And then we had Rawhide Kid, which is not a bad comic. It no. was actually really enjoyable. It was a really funny... What, uh, like western and honestly if it didn't have the stigma of being like the first openly gay character and have that thrust upon it well think, that was north star was the first openly gay character that was in his well this comic, is the one that was heavily this is the one that really this marketed. is the one that was heavily marketed as like we've given a gay character his own book like who known because i honestly i think with the north star like he hadn't like, no he did he did he, he came out? out before alpha flight was canceled and the north star didn't come out as a four issue series until a, a follow-up to the alpha flights yeah but i think it was a lot of his like him coming out was under the radar i know they blew up big for his wedding i remember that but yeah, that was like in 2000 but as far as it goes this is the first time that they're putting all this in, and it's a max series so you know it's all kinds of crazy 
it really wasn't, but yeah, it, it was tamer than this one. Yeah, I was, but then we get to this, and so we we reach uh, the Raw High Kid Sensational Seven, and it is a wash. Yeah. It is a bunch of wasted potential. This should have been a fifty-page one-shot, and it would have worked fine. It's got great period piece artwork. Yeah, a couple of good jokes, but as a whole, it was three issues too long. One mm-hmm. long issue. Covering this would have been just fine. Kept the jokes and the pacing would have been far better. So speaking of one shots uh, and how we well Ron Zimmerman works with one shots, tomorrow's episode is actually—I mean, uh, next week's episode is going <laughs> to be uh, dedicated to the one shots that he did. We're talking uh, such seminal classics as uh, Spider-Man Jay Leno's first team up in the Marvel Universe. Yep. We've got Startling Stories, The Thing, Sweet Punisher, Charity. Marvel Knights, Punisher Volume. Uh, five or six. I don't know. He has got too many of them. Number eight, we've got Sweet Charity. And then we've got Tangled Web, number 13. Those are five comics we're going to be covering to, uh, next week, and it will be in a different format where we just kind of like count down into the bowels of hell because I promise you, it's going to start in a good place, dudes. It's going to end in the fucking pits of hell. I mean, by now you've already seen some of his highs and you know how low it can get. It so gets lower. It, he, he lowers the bar even lower. Like he kicks I feel it. like Get Craven, like... Actually, you know I don't think it gets lower than Get Craven, but Get Craven at least has a saving grace. Yeah. One of the comics we're going to be covering next time, there is nothing saving about it. Like, no. there's not even the art that saves it. Nothing. No. It's bad across the board. But that's what we're all about. Yeah. And that's what you're hungry for. And that's why you keep coming back week after week to put your jaws straight into this bullshit. So let's go ahead and get ready. And the next time, I've been Nick. I've been Bruno. And I'll see you next time on Oh, God, It Burns. Good night. Take and Felice, I love it,